our meditation today is our epistle lesson from Philippians chapter 4. I just want to reread 12 and 13. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray? Father in heaven, as always, it is your will that we gather together. And it is your will to speak to us through your word and sacraments to remind us of our relationship, not only with you, but with each other, that it is found in Christ and in him alone. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. There's an old, not an old, there's a French a proverb that goes like this. Not everyone who dances is happy. Even Christians can look lost and afraid, neither happy nor good, anxiously confident. That's even possible? How can you be anxious and confident at the same time? Let me illustrate. I was gone for quite some time, in my mind anyway. I went down to uh, Austin for my nieces and new uh, nephew. Um, uh, <clears throat> wedding, and then I spent several days this past week at a pastor's conference, so I kind of unplugged, didn't watch any TV at all, so I needed to get ready for the sermon, so I quickly pulled up Google, what's going on? And I was somewhat shocked. There's a bunch of things that happened while I was gone. Now, contrary to the belief of some people, I don't watch a lot of TV, especially news. Uh, I li- I'd rather take a, a step back and keep in mind the big picture of stuff. Did you guys notice that they're not, we're not talking anymore about the global banking crisis that we were talking about earlier this year when uh, two of our uh, regional banks, uh, uh, Silicon Valley and First Republic Bank, failed? Do you remember that conversation? Do you remember uh, the conversation, last time you heard it anyway, about inflation? Hey, it's down to 3.7. Why do I say down? Because last year it was at 6.5. The year before that it was at 7 on average. And the year before that it was at 1.4. So it went up. And now it's coming back down. Not that you would know that when you look at your grocery and your gas and other utility bills. It doesn't seem like we're getting any better. And I'm really sure that your raises didn't keep up with the inflation. Now, while all this is going on, I found out that thanks be to God, uh, the unions settled uh, a strike with uh, Kaiser Permanente. Uh, 85,000 health care workers. Uh, so hopefully that goes away and they can all get back to work. Not the same time that settlement came about, the United Auto Workers Union isn't even close to settling. In fact, the, the union president says walkouts, more walkouts can begin any time. What happened to the war in Ukraine? We didn't talk about it. 
Why not? Because on October 7th, Hamas um, launched airstrikes into Israel, and Israel then responded. As of my record, 32,000 people have lost their lives, and hundreds of people, including Americans, are held captive. And while all that's going on, nobody probably paid attention that as of September 30th, there have been 487 mass shootings. Yep, 571 people have died, 1,947 other people were injured. I found that to be interesting. I wasn't even paying attention to that. But it did hit me as kind of odd that in the middle of all of this, a individual from California, or at least I think it was an individual, won the $1,765,000,000 Powerball jackpot. Now, if you're playing it, you're probably depressed because you didn't win it, but somebody did. What do you do with all that news? The point of the sermon here isn't to depress you. Rather, it is when we confront the reality of the culture in which we live in, we can find the wonderful gift that God gives to us by faith in Christ. You see, it's, I think it's too easy and too often that we give the, the peace that God gives us lip service rather than an expression of true joy in our hearts. It's a problem that afflicted the Philippian congregation. Anxiety, um, the need, persecution, there was anger over grievances. When we deal with this kind of conflict in the world, it destroys or seeks to destroy the inner joy and peace that we have as sinners have been given by God. Over the last couple of weeks, um, we've been looking at a unique aspect of the Christian faith. How by faith we absorb the mind of Christ and we find our identity in him. Our lives have been set apart. And because of that, we are able to transcend ordinary life. Two weeks ago, we were in Philippians, and we talked about this virtue of humility. And that humility cannot be achieved by our own trying. Trying to be humble focuses our attention on ourselves and what we're doing, instead of on others, which true humility focuses on. A humble person doesn't think about being humble. They're thinking about something completely different. They're thinking about Christ. Last week, believe it, oh, sorry, Pastor Prem, (laughs) I used his slide. Um, Pastor Prem was talking about Matthew 21, and in there, he explained that Jesus came to claim his people as his own. He claimed us in a most marvelous way, and that his claim is eternal. That's our relationship with God. It's not something that we claim. It's realizing the fact that we have been chosen. We have been set apart. We have been called and claimed by Christ. 
Now today, we're going to talk about two other elusive virtues of joy and peace. Philippians chapter 4, 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And verse 7, And the peace of God in Christ Jesus. Paul puts both joy and peace at the heart of the great secret that he shares of faith. That in joy and peace, we have the secret, as he calls it, for living a life of confidence and contentment. Now, these qualities are elusive as ever for people today. The pursuit of happiness seems to be an endless search. The quest for peace leaves us quaking in our, in our sleep, trying to fall asleep without thinking about things in the middle of the night. Saints are able to move beyond the pursuit of, of joy and peace in an earthly sense to a real life reception of joy and peace that we have been given in Christ. That is what the Spirit of God works in us through the inspired Word of God. Even the reading of these words, rejoice in the Lord always in the peace of God in Christ Jesus. Believers begin to kind of resonate that there is something there that's different than what the world offers when it comes to rejoicing. Rejoicing isn't in the Lord per se as much as joy is found in getting things. Peace is not so much in Christ as it is uh, <clears throat> having no conflict or, or overwhelming problems in your life. For the Christian, this text about joy and peace speaks to us of the, the relationship that we have with God, but also with each other. And it's a peace and a joy that transcends all understanding because it's a gift from God. And that's why we need to kind of be uh, cautious because you can go into pretty much any bookstore, or today I guess you buy them on Amazon.com, uh, <clears throat> And find books about joy and peace, but most of the time the joy and peace they're talking about is counterfeit. For six bucks, it'll promise you both joy and peace if you work the plan or the strategy of its well-intentioned author. You want joy in your life? Do this. You want peace in your life? Do that. Pop psychiatry abounds in the resources for a quest for personal joy and peace. And most of these just don't deliver because the focus is to imagine the capability of the human being to find and create and generate their own joy and peace. Great care has got to be taken when you hear about these words, joy and peace, that we don't slip into this how-to mentality. There are plenty of movies, especially on Hallmark, um, 
musicals, if you will, that try to create this idea of a quest for joy and, and peace as a discovery of ourselves, our inner strength, our potential. And yet, what Paul is talking about takes us way beyond this limited and self-centered perspective, which is sure to fail as soon as you don't get what makes you joyful or as soon as calamity or problems rob you of peace. It's important to note that in the New Testament, joy and peace are often partners, if you will. And you see this clearly in the listing of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians uh, chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. They're often connected with each other, listed side by side. And it's important that this joy and peace is the fruit of the Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit gives to us. It's a fruit of becoming a new creation in our baptism. It's cultivated and it's nurtured. And thus it matures by the Spirit of God as we continue our relationship in hearing God's word, valuing our own baptism, the gift of the Lord's body and blood in the sacrament, where again, we're, we're given repeatedly this grace of God that transcends all understanding. It's not something that we do for ourselves. Peace and joy aren't things that we chase and pursue it's really a part of living our life as a baptized child of God. It's a realization. It's putting things in an eternal or a, a theological perspective of our life. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always and the peace of God in Christ Jesus. Clearly he's saying that the peace that we have, excuse me, the joy that we have is in the Lord, and it's in the Lord always. Or, he says, it's the peace that, of God in Christ Jesus, and I could throw the word always in there as well. You've always had joy. You've always had peace. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit that you receive through the waters of holy baptism. The peace and joy aren't things that we have to pursue as an elusive treasure, if we will. We have it for a moment, we lose it, we try to find it again. Jesus Christ makes joy and peace constant realities in our lives no matter what circumstances or situations that we face. But let's unpack these a little bit. Um, Paul points out that the arch enemy of joy uh, is that it's... Oh, hold on, hold on. I went too far. Oop. There we go. Hit the wrong button. So we begin with joy. Uh, joy is always found in the Lord. It's an authentic Christian virtue. And it's always found 
in the Lord. Now, this is an important truth from this encouragement is that our reason for joy isn't getting what we want in life, but rather receiving what we need. What we need is the forgiveness of our sins. What we need is the, the promise of, of eternity that God gives to those he called by grace. This is the message throughout the Old Testament, the Psalms. People are able to rejoice despite gloomy times and unbelievable tragedies. Why? How? Because they're rejoicing in the Lord. Not in their situation or their ability to overcome it all by yourself. Situations change. And our courage may increase at the same time it may wane. But the way God is, the things God does, the fact that you have been baptized into Christ that has never changed. You may not value it. I get it. We don't always think about it, but God never forgets it. When you received in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, God made a promise and he's kept it. You may have wandered the way. You may have stopped thinking about it, but God hasn't stopped thinking about what he offers and what he gives to you. The key is that this is the peace and the joy that God has given to us unconditionally. It's not a challenge for us to maintain it or receive it, but it's the reality of who you are. We always have a reason for joy, and that reason is the Lord. The Father loves us. Christ's constant presence with us is poured out to us through the Spirit as we read His Word, study His Word, and receive the wonderful gifts of the sacraments. Joy in the Lord always is a present reality. And so is peace in Christ. One of the great antagonists of peace of God is anxiousness. Anxiousness about anything. When I was reading the news and recapturing stuff from the previous nine months of the year, did Amy go, oh, yeah, I forgot. Jamie go, oh, why do you have to be such a downer sermon? When we start taking in the reality of our life and begin to see it for what it is, we begin to worry or anxious. We want to try to figure out how can I fix it? When the things that we were talking about, none of you can fix if you would, there would be no war in Ukraine today. The mess that happened over in Israel between Hamas and Israel, that never would have happened. It would have been stopped. Everybody would have food on their plate. Everybody would have plenty of extra cash in their pocket. That $1.7 billion, boy, that wouldn't go to one person. It would go to all of us if we had that kind of control. But we don't. And if we try to fix things that we can't fix, anxiousness 
is right there. And it seeks to rob us of the peace that God gives. God, Paul gives us two little antidotes, if you will, when it comes to this idea of addressing anxiety. And that is prayer. And that is thanksgiving. I mean, imagine what would happen just in your life. If instead of kind of personally whining, I'm trying to think of how you think about your life when it comes to prayer. Oh, God, if only you'd fix this. Oh, God, if you could do this. Oh, oh, things would be so much better. Imagine what your life would be like if your prayers were filled with thanksgiving in place of worries. I mean, if you think about it, what is a, a worry is focusing on a problem you can't fix, right? Imagine taking a problem you can't fix, giving it back to God in thanksgiving. And you say, well, how do you do that? Well, you pick your favorite anxiety. Uh, I'm getting close to retirement. Let me use that one, okay? Will I have enough money for the rest of my life? Have I made proper investments? I don't know. Someone will say, yeah, you're okay. Well, you should have more. But the more I think about it, I have no control over it. I can do my best, but at the end of the day, I can't fix it. Not at this stage of my life. There's potential for worry there, isn't it? Dear Father, thank you for reminding me about the fact that I can't control my future. Because it reminds me that you control my future. Thank you for once again creating this thought in my brain that doesn't drive me to despair, but it drives me back to you, thanking you for the very peace and joy that you have given to me that I often overlook because I'm focusing so much on, on myself and what I do and what happens to me rather than on you and what you've done for me. Jesus himself promised peace that the world doesn't give. Peace I live with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This peace is established in the sacrificial life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that occurred before you were born, that you incorporated into your being at the day of your baptism. As God worked faith in you, saving faith, justifying faith, a faith that doesn't depend upon us, it depends upon what God has done for us. And the more I remember that, the more that I understand that the peace that I have been given, the joy that I, I have is in Christ, it helps guard and protect me from the, the things of the world that would seek to rob the joy and peace from me. Peace and joy are gifts that we have as God's people. And according to Paul, this joy and peace have byproducts. He calls it a secret. 
I have learned the secret of being content in, every, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. The secret of, of being content is confidence in the fact that I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now, again, the world has taken this verse out of context, and they put it on a T-shirt, and they think that now I'll hit a home run, or I'll make that three-point shot, because Christ is going to make it happen. That's not the piece we're talking about here. That's your piece. I won. Rejoice with me. The piece that he's talking about is that in, in, in every and in any situation in life, I can allow my relationship with God to help me transcend the things of this world. I know I'm but a stranger here. Heaven's my home. Again, do you think you, when you get to heaven, you're going to be able to go back and put in a, a card to St. Peter where you want to complain about certain things that happened to you in your life? Let, let's say you don't like the sermon right now. It's still not over. Sorry. But let's say that's one of your complaints. You're going to go, I can't wait to get to heaven so I can get in line and complain about how Pastor Reimnitz preaches. You think you're going to do that? You think if you get in a tragic car accident, you're going to go, God, that just wasn't fair. You think that's what heaven does? What we do for the end of age? Or do we finally realize that allowed a lot of stuff to occupy my heart and our, my mind that really doesn't matter. And that knowledge is ours right now. Because the God who promises us this is faithful. That's the secret, if you will, to contentment is confidence in the fact that in any and every situation, well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want, I can do all things in Christ because I have his joy and I have the peace that transcends all understanding. He has given that to you. And if I've done my job right and you guys have paid attention, you will notice that even the anxieties that we first thought, started talking about have kind of faded a little bit. We've changed a little tape recorder in our brain that is always talking about what's so bad about life, what's not good. And we've reminded ourselves of the promises that we have in Christ, the reality that our identity is found in him and thus these unique gifts of the Spirit are also us to shelter us, to protect us, and to give us a joy and peace that the world doesn't give. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.